Welcome back to our study of the Psalms. We are looking at Psalm 23 today. Now, Psalm 23, of course, is not only one of the best-known psalms, it's also one of the best-known passages of Scripture in the whole Bible. It's a passage we often hear or perhaps see written out at a funeral or perhaps being read at the bedside of a loved one who's uh, final days are approaching. It's it's a psalm that uh, many, many people are familiar with, uh, and yet it's a psalm that precisely because uh, it is so well known, uh, sometimes we think we uh, understand it better than we really do. Maybe we haven't really stopped to think about it. Uh, but also, one of the things we know about passages that are as famous as this, they're usually uh, that well known, that widely used because they are so deep. At one level, they are simple and clear, but in another sense, they are so deep and profound that there is always more to learn from them. So uh, let's dig in together to Psalm 23, which is, of course, a psalm of David. And it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, uh, the psalm, of course, begins with this imagery of uh, the Lord, God, Yahweh, the God of Israel, the one true God, uh, as our shepherd. David calls him my shepherd. Uh, now, the imagery of a shepherd, of course, is quite different than uh, if he were to say, you know, the Lord is my boss or the Lord is my manager. Now, the Lord, of course, is sovereign. He's in control. And Lord means, right, that we need to do what he says. But the imagery of shepherd reminds us that not only uh, is he our leader, our guide, the one who directs us in the way that we should go and warns us away from the places we shouldn't, but also that he is personally invested in our well-being. He cares for us like a shepherd cares for his sheep. Uh, a shepherd is not simply someone who tells the sheep what to do. A shepherd is somebody who is investing himself, his time, his energy, uh, in a sense, his life into the well-being of his flock. And so uh, the, to say the Lord is my shepherd is to not only acknowledge the Lord is in control, the Lord is in charge, but also to remind ourselves that the Lord loves and cares for us and looks out for us. And that's a lot of what David is talking about in the first three verses of this psalm, when he says, you know, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, he doesn't put the word, we don't have the word because there, right? But we know these two things are connected. It's because God is my shepherd that I shall not want. Now, that's a, a, a statement that I think when I was younger, I thought uh, sounded kind of like a command, you know, you shouldn't want, don't want anything. Don't, if God is your shepherd, you shouldn't want anything else. That's not what it's saying. It's using the word want here. In a sense, we don't use it um, this way very much anymore. But uh, the word want here 
doesn't mean desire. That's how we normally use it. I want that. I desire that. Here, it means to lack something, right? So uh, sometimes you might still hear somebody say, um, you know, I want for nothing. And uh, what that means is I, I, I lack nothing. And so that's how it's being used here, right? The Lord is my shepherd. And because of that, I will not lack anything because he's going to provide for me. It doesn't mean I'm going to be rich or wealthy or never get sick or anything like that, but he's going to provide for all of my needs. And he uh, elaborates on this in terms that fit with the shepherd and sheep imagery when he says, you know, he makes me lie down in green pastures. In other words, he, he brings me to a place where there's abundant provision of food. He leads me beside still waters or restful waters. In other words, when he, uh, he provides drink for me, and he does so not by taking me to a raging river, but to a calm place where it's comfortable for me to drink, right? Uh, he restores my soul. So it's not just, you know, the physical um, needs that he's meeting of food and water, but he, he restores my, my life, the, 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 you know, sort of the core of who I am. The, the, he, he, it's a, a spiritual as well as a physical reality. Uh, he, it's, he says he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. In other words, he leads me in the right way. He never leads me astray. He never tempts me. He always leads me in the path of righteousness. Whenever I'm out of that path, when I'm doing something that's wrong, foolish, dangerous, wicked, it's always because I've strayed, not because he has misled me. He always leads me in the right way. And he does that for his namesake, because uh, once I'm his, if he's my shepherd, uh, my well-being uh, is in some sense uh, you know, tied to him and and reflects on him right so i need him to care for me and what happens to me uh people connect that to him a uh, part of what people know about god or think they know about god often comes from what they see in the lives of god's people and so part of what he's saying here is the re part of the reason why god always leads me in the right way is because i've got his name on me right i belong to him and so what happens with me reflects on him. And so he's going to lead me in the right way so people will know that he's a righteous God. Uh, then in verse 4, it's, uh, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, uh, they comfort me. So when he says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that, that's part of the reason why we often associate this psalm with death. Again, at funerals, bedsides of dying loved ones. Um, it gives us comfort, right, in those very dark, difficult places. And that's really what um, David means here when he says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That means any kind of place or season of life that you might be in where it's, it's dark, it's scary, it's lonely. Um, it, it feels like this might not go well. Maybe like this could even be the end. Um, I think one uh, children's version of uh, sort of paraphrase of this song uh, says, you know, when I walk through the dark, scary, lonely places. And, and that's really what David is getting at, right? Not just, I feel like I'm about to die or something. That, that certainly can be part of it, but it doesn't have to be even that extreme. Just 
you know, we all go through seasons where uh, we may not be, uh, you know, literally numbering our days, but we are wondering, is there going to be any future? Is there going to be any hope, any any sunlight, any anything good or happy on the other side of what I'm going through? That's what David says. That even when I'm in that kind of place, he says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. In other words, it's not my circumstance, but it's your presence that makes all the difference. I'm not going to be afraid of anything harming me because I know you're with me. And when he mentions your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and staff, of course, are uh, in one sense symbols of the shepherd's presence. Uh, one uh, I was looking at Hamilton's commentary, and I, I, I believe it was him who said, um, you know, like one of those we we associate with pulling a sheep back from a cliff, and one of those uh, from uh, you know fending off wolves and other attackers, things like that. So it's both protection from those outside and protection from ourselves, from our own foolishness, sometimes getting us. Uh, into trouble. So th- those tools of the shepherd, they even the tools themselves are reminders of God's presence with us and of uh, the comfort. Right? They give us comfort knowing that he is there. And then verse 4, he uh, talks about how God prepares a table before him, even in the presence of his enemies. Right, So uh, there, he still has enemies. The Lord being his shepherd doesn't mean he's never going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death doesn't mean he's not going to have any enemies and everybody's going to love him and be nice to him. The Lord is a shepherd and good things come with that. Blessings come with that. But also it means in the midst of hardship and difficulty, God is there with him and God is continuing to provide for him. So even though he's got enemies, God doesn't abandon him when he's got enemies around. Instead, God continues to provide for him and here, in fact, abundantly provides for him spreads out a table for him, anoints his head with oil, uh, fills his cup to overflowing. So there's this abundant provision, even in the presence of those who would seek to do David harm, God is continuing to provide for him and remind him that he's there, that he loves him, that he cares for him. And then David says in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Right. So uh, the word follow there. Um, is good, but doesn't quite give us the full picture. I still remember one of my good friends pointing this out several years ago, um, that the word follow here is the same word that uh, we'll sometimes find in the Bible as, um, um, well, it's like when they, uh, like pursue, like, so when like Saul is pursuing David perhaps, or, or something like that, that it's, it's a, it's a relentless pursuit. And so it's not just that God's, uh, goodness and mercy are kind of trotting along behind us, uh, but that they are sticking close to us. They are pursuing us. They are never going to let us out of their sight, right? So because God is faithful and unchanging, if we are his, he's never going to let us go. And his goodness and mercy, they're going to pursue us. They're going to follow us all the days of our life. And not only that, what about you know, after our life, well, he says, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I'm going to be in God's presence. Remember the, the house of the Lord, the temple, that's where God's presence was. He says, I'm going to be in God's presence forever, uh, no matter what happens uh, in the days ahead, no matter what these enemies might do, no matter whether or not I come out of the valley of the shadow of death, I know I'm going to dwell in God's presence forever. So that's what Psalm 23 is about. And then it's really easy to connect Psalm 23 to Jesus 
in a bunch of ways. For example, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. David says, Jesus tells us in John 10, I am the good shepherd. But so Jesus takes this imagery of God as our shepherd and applies it to himself, which again, is another, uh, another um, hint, at least, if not a declaration of sorts of Jesus being God, right? That Jesus is divine. So Jesus is the good shepherd. The good shepherd provides and cares for his sheep, even to the point of laying down his life, he says. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He also says in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus gives us life. Jesus provides for us abundantly, just like David was talking about in this psalm. Jesus leads us in the way of righteousness. When he says, come follow me, we know following Jesus, he, Jesus is never going to lead us astray. It's, you know, we might wander from him and get astray and in trouble, but he's never going to lead us astray. Jesus um, provides abundantly for us, uh, we've already seen, and even in hard times. Right? Jesus tells his disciples, uh, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So he's giving hope despite difficulty. He gives life, gives it abundantly. So all those themes uh, we, we see there. Jesus also will never let us go, just like God's goodness and mercy uh, will pursue us. So uh, Jesus says about his sheep, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one shall snatch or no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's John 10, 28. But Jesus also is going to bring us into God's presence where we will dwell forever. John 14, Jesus says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So where are we going? The Father's house. Who's taking us there? Jesus is. We're going to be in God's presence. Right? We're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Later in John 14, Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me, which means if you do come through me, where are you going? To the Father, into his presence. Uh, finally, what can we learn about how we pray uh, from Psalm 23? Well, remember that it's the Lord right, who is also your good shepherd. So yes, he's in charge. He is uh, your Lord, right? You are accountable to him, but also he loves you. He cares for you. He's personally invested in your well-being. Uh, it's good to confess that it's not our circumstances, but God's presence that makes all the difference. So it's good for us in prayer to say, God, this what, what I'm going through is terrible. It's awful. It's hard. It's dark. I know that you haven't left me. Um, it's good to acknowledge the Lord's abundant provision. Sometimes all we can focus on is, God, there are enemies. I have enemies. What's going on with that? But instead, we should remember, yes, I've got enemies, but God, look at how you've provided for me so abundantly. My cup is overflowing. Thank you for all you've given to me. And rejoice that the Lord will never leave you, right? And that you'll never have to leave him. You'll get to be in his presence forever. And you might be thinking, okay, wait a minute. Psalm 22 started out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And now we've got, you know, your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll be in your house forever. What, what's going on there? Well, did David feel abandoned and forsaken by God? Yes. Will God really, truly, ultimately ever abandon or forsaken us? No. The Bible says, or forsake us, but the Bible says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Right? So, um, it's okay to confess that when we feel that way, right? When that's what we are experiencing. But 
it's good to come back, right back, right with Psalm 23 and says, say, but I know that God is my shepherd. He's caring for me even when it doesn't feel like it. I know he's there. His presence comforts me. And I know I'm going to get to be with him in the end. God bless.